The consideration on the back page is uh, proof. Uh, it's really proof everything. The uh, proof everything in Acts is not for the church. And this is by uh, M.R. DeHaan on, in his book, Pentecost and After. Those who take everything in the book of Acts as being a pattern for the church in this age would have a difficulty here selling their possessions and giving to everyone. I would ask those who claim that the signs and miracles and tongues which were present in the early church that are for us today, if they would also accept the practice of selling all their possessions and giving, giving all of it away for the help of others. Isn't it funny? People get dispensational very fast, don't they? <laughs> oh, yeah, tongues are for the day, but not giving everything that I have. <laughs> That's really funny. Yeah, but it's true. It's really true. And so people pick and choose what they want to accept as for the day and not. And there's very much inconsistencies in how they apply things. And that's a very good point by M.R. Dahan. We come to our message today, and it's a message again on love. And we've been, uh, this is our 18th message. I look back, and we started this in February. But there's a lot of other messages that have also been in between, and we've missed some time as well. I don't know how much longer we're going to be here, but we could be here for a lot longer because this is a very important message in talking about love. And so one of the things that we've been talking about is the importance of love. Why is love important? And so we've gone down through and we've seen a lot of the reasons that love is important and what it does. What love supplies is something that nothing else supplies. And it's the glue that holds the believers together. And so here's another one example today of uh, forbearance. And that when you love someone, that you're able to forbear with them. And we'll see what forbearance does. Forbearance really helps the believer to put up with differences with other believers. And to be able to put up with circumstances so that you could be able to be there for other believers. And so you have all of these words um, that talk about endurance in the New Testament. I mean, we have uh, hupomeno, hupofero, patience. We have uh, long-suffering. I mean, we just have all kinds of endurance words. This is why you can say, as believers, we have no excuse. We have no excuse for not living this life the way that God's provided. We can be patient. We can be long-suffering. I mean, we, we have so many capabilities. I, don't, I wonder how many believers use all of the capabilities we have. You know, I think it was... Um, um, Dwight Moody that said some years ago that uh, I want to be the guy that when I die that really displayed and showed that I was the man that God fully used in this life. And so on his deathbed people remembered this. <laughs> and they asked him Brother Moody were you the guy he just simply said, I was not the guy. <laughs> I was not the guy. <laughs> but look, we, have, we all have that potential. We all have that potential. None of us are babes. Get it out of your mind that I'm a babe and i am just got this little thing. I've got to grow into this. That's nonsense. That's not true. I mean, we, we accord ourselves to be babes because that's what we want to be. But we're all capable. We have all the capabilities we need to be able to glorify God in this life. There's no believer lacking anything. 
And you can see it with this issue of, of forbearance, that we have the capability of forbearing. Now, this is different, and we're going to see it. It's, in the world system, you have this issue of tolerance. And if I hear that in the, again, I think I'm going to puke. I mean, it's this tolerance. You just tolerate anything and everything. It doesn't matter what people are. I mean, they could be the most deviant uh, person that's ever walked the face of the earth. Oh, you've got to tolerate it. No, you don't. No, you don't. That's nonsense. And that's not the ideal when it comes over into uh, when it relates to believers. But there's things that people do or are involved in that is different from who we are, that we can put up with the different idiosyncrasies of people, that we can put up with things. And we can put up with circumstances. You're going to see Paul put up with circumstances so that he could put up with other believers. Right. Circumstances that might hinder him from actually loving the saints. Did he put up with it? You know what causes you to do that? Agape love. How do you get agape love? By being spiritual. It's not something you're going to be able to will yourself to do. I don't care how much you try on your own strength to do it. You will not be able to forbear with people if you don't love them. I mean, try as you might. And, and I like what Paul said in First Timothy. What you see with law teaching is that it just produces hypocrisy. That's all it produces is hypocrisy. And this is what people, as they see the church today, that they just, they bristle at. The hypocrisy of people who say one thing and they do something completely different. Well, why are they doing completely different? Because they're not spiritual. You can't do it on your own strength. Law cannot produce this. Only grace does. And so we have this potential. And so we'll look at this word today for forbearance. And you'll see that it's really a wonderful thing that is produced by love. That when you and I are loving each other, one of the characteristics of that love is that we'll forbear. And we'll see that. Father, we're grateful for the opportunity of being able to look at these things. And grateful as believers that we can forbear with each other. And it's not just putting up with deviancy or tolerating deviancy, as the world would say it. But we could forbear with things that are different about people um, that are right. And we're thankful, Father, that we have this potential to be able to do this as a result of your grace. And we're thankful for it in your son's name we pray. Amen. And so there is a couple of words. I mean, when you think about these words and you see it, if you turn to Ephesians 4, uh, you see different words that are um, uh, used for endurance. And I didn't put those down. And I, as I was thinking this morning, I thought ah, I probably should have included some of those because it kind of gives you a contrast because these words are different from forbearance. Uh, you have uh, hupafero, you have um, uh, macrothemia. I think that that's what you see in Ephesians 4. It's actually used in the same context, which is long-suffering. And then you have hupameno which is to endure under circumstances. And so you have all of these things uh, that the believer has the ability to, to endure through things. We can, we can endure through things. Unlike any other group of people on the face of this earth, no one is designed to endure through things like you and I are. No one. And, and so it, it's not that we can't do it, 
We can. And believers have shown over the history of time. And I, again, I have a couple of copies now. I just got a new copy of uh, Fox's Book of Martyrs. If you want to see it, you can come over and, and or ask me and I'll bring you a copy and you can look at it. There, there have been believers who have endured through circumstances and situations. And so there's, there's nothing happening in the world today that is any different than uh, believers have faced at, at other parts of time. And so notice in Ephesians, you see the word for long-suffering here um, in verses, um, we'll, we'll start in verse 1 and you'll see it in verse 2. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you were called. And so, this, uh, and we'll see this at the end, that you walk worthy or accurately according to the calling where you, the word vocation is actually the calling by which you were called. Now, how do you walk? And we'll look at this word for walk here at the end of the uh, message. But he's going to give the characteristics of the walk. Verse 2, with all lowliness, um, this lowliness is humility, and meekness with long-suffering, forbearing one another. And notice, we'll see that that end there, I, I think it's here, it, you could say it's an instrument by means of love. And so that one another again. And so the forbearance is not directed toward the unsaved people. It's directed toward believers. One of the things that's disturbing to me, and I told George yesterday as we were listening to some things, is I see some morphing of politics and scripture in some weird ways. People are making scripture say things that are just absolutely not true. And you look at it, it's a very subtle thing that is going on. And, you know, one of the things that they've woven into that is that, oh, yeah, we're supposed to love everybody. You know, and you see this from a political point of view and you say, yikes. I mean, you could see how this is just so not true. But endurance. So you have these endurance words and, and forbearance, I would put in that category. And so then you, with forbearance, you have a couple of words that are actually translated forbearance or forbear. Um, and so we looked at one before, and, and I, I want to really give a more specific definition of that word that we talked about in 1 Corinthians 13, and it's the word uh, stegeo, or, or, uh, stego, and it's used in Scripture to protect, and, and it's translated, if you turn over to 1 Corinthians 13, it actually is translated love forbears. But let me give you this definition here. Uh, from Reinecker and Rogers, and I would agree with that, that it's different. It's, a, it's different from this word that we're talking about today for forbear. And so notice you see in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, um, and it's actually in, translated, I'm sorry, in verse 7, it's translated endures. So notice in verse 6, it says, uh, love rejoices not in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. Uh, love Bear, I'm sorry, it's the word bear, love beareth all things. Uh, and so the word beareth there is actually the noun form of that word actually is used and it's translated in the New Testament of a roof. A roof, which is to cover something that covers something. Um, and so here, Reiner Rogers gives it this definition to protect. The word is used of a, for a roof in scripture to provide protection or a covering for a roof. And so from a uh, uh, spiritual point of view is that love covers. 
it protects. Um, and so you would uh, see that love would protect. You're not going to be out if you're loving the, the, the brethren that you're going to be um, trying to malign another brother or to reveal things. You're, you're, there's a protection over each other that you wouldn't get uh, if you did not love the brother or you weren't directing agape love. This other word, anicho, is actually used to, and this will be my definition of it and how it's used, the word for forbearance and how it's used in the New Testament. It's used to tolerate, to put up, now notice here, to put up with circumstances or behaviors of people that may or may not be in one's best interest for the purpose of providing a fellow believer the thing or the things needed. And so to tolerate or to put up with circumstances are behaviors of people that may or may not be in one's best interest for the purpose of providing a fellow believer the thing or the things that are needed. And so you see this word used um, quite a few times in the New Testament. And so this idea of forbearance, this astego word, is different from um, uh, Anicho, in that endurance is a long-term bearing up under circumstances. When you enduring, uh, endure through things, is, is you have this word, and I think the one that's used here, uh, actually, I'm sorry, it's the idea of forbearance words in, in total. Look at Second Timothy 3.11. You see this word that is translated forbearance, but it's actually not uh, either one of these words. It's actually the word hupofero, if I'm, my memory serves me correctly. In 2 Timothy chapter 3. Notice in uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3, Paul is talking about enduring through things and circumstances and uh, as an example of the fact of his legitimacy. And so notice uh, in verse uh, 6, he says, For out of this sort are they which creep into houses and lead captive silly women, laden laden with uh, various uh, laden with sins and led away with various lust, ever learning and never able to come to a knowledge of the truth. Or, and I would say really a full experiential knowledge of the truth. Now as Janus and Jambres which stood Moses, so these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds are really, I would say men having been corrupted in their minds. I think these are unsaved men. I really do. And where are they at? They're in the church. I, I you'll find a lot of imposters in the church. This is what makes the church so problematic today. And so men having been corrupted in their minds, reprobate concerning the faith. For they shall proceed no further for their folly, or really you say their acts of folly shall be made manifest unto all men as theirs also was. But thou hast fully known my doctrine, my manner of life, my purpose, my faith, my long suffering, my charity, and patience. Now, notice you got a lot of endurance words there. You got patience, which is hupomeno, which is you, you deal, you bear up under circumstances um, that come at you. Then you notice in verse 11 persecutions, afflictions which came to me at Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra, what persecutions I endured. And so Paul says, hey, Look at what I, I've gone through. You want to see an example of it? Courtney's going to cover a lot of it as he continues through the book of Acts. 
a lot of people who went through what Paul went through would lose their minds. Today they would lose their minds. Paul said, I endured under them. Remember John Mark? On the first apostolic journey, I don't know what happened in Pamphylia. Paul doesn't tell us. Something happened, and John Mark, who was their, um, you would say that their administrator, it says they called him a hooper taste, one who was setting the pace for what they were doing. And so they were obviously dependent on this guy. Something happened in Pamphylia, and John Mark says, got to go. He left. He deserted them. Paul was so beside himself over this. When you come over to Acts chapter 15, as they finish with the church council and Barnabas wants to go and they want to go out on the second apostolic journey and Barnabas wants to take John Mark with him. Paul said, eh, ain't happening. <laughs> I'm not taking that guy. He deserted us. Well, I think Paul had a different view of it in Second Timothy chapter 4 where he came back around and says, John Mark's profitable. Doesn't take away the fact, Paul says, I endured these things. I bore up under them. And so that's the word hupopharo. It's a little bit different from what we're talking about today. And so forbearance is an unsettled state where one is caused to tolerate conditions that they, they might not be long term. I mean, so you might, something comes up and it might not be a long term thing and you put up with it because this thing is going to be in the way of you being able to meet the need of another believer. And you tolerate it. And so forbearance is not characteristic of a carnal or an unsaved person. I don't think that a carnal or unsaved person has the ability to do this in this way. Because if you notice, the thing that comes up with the world system is they believe tolerance of any and everything. They tolerate anything. I mean, some of the stuff that is tolerated in the world today is shameful. You wouldn't want to mention it from this pulpit. They don't have any standards for tolerance. They believe you tolerate anything and anybody, no matter how despicable they might be. And so that's not what we're talking about here. That's not what we're talking about here. You don't tolerate sin. You don't tolerate unrighteous behavior. That's not what we're talking about. And you'll see that as we move forward. And so scripture illustrate you have, uh, for example, a carnal or an unsaved person. They, they don't have the ability to endure through things. So notice, let's just give you an example. You're right there in 2 Timothy. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 4. And so what's good for them, and I don't know, these might be carnal here. I don't know, are unsaved. They don't have the ability to endure through it. And so notice in 2 Timothy chapter 4. Paul says in verse 1, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word. Be instant in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. And there's our word there. They won't have the ability to put up with sound doctrine. They just don't want to put up with it. You get a person who's carnal or unsaved. You want to show intolerance? Here it is. Preach the word. They don't want to hear it. 
I don't think they have the capability of hearing it. They will not tolerate it. It's funny. You can get someone who will tolerate some of the behaviors that you see out in the world. But if you stood out up on that corner and you said the truth and every bit of it was true, I bet you they won't tolerate you. I guarantee you they won't tolerate you. And so they don't have this capability of being able to show true tolerance. And so it was a woman at uh, FedEx some years ago when I was working there. She gave the most brilliant statement that still resonates in my mind today. And she told me, the only thing I'm intolerant of are people who are intolerant. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> yeah, I'm still trying to figure that one out. <laughs> but that's how the world sees it. Is that they have the right to change the dynamics of it as they see fit. And so uh, you see that with, um, as an example, look at the deputy. This is interesting. In Acts 18 and 14, the deputy over in um, Achaia, that uh, he refused to put up with foolishness. He only put it up. He only put up with what he had to put up with and what he thought that they were doing was just foolishness and he wouldn't tolerate it. Notice in Acts chapter 18. And so here. Again, you see this issue where you have people, when they don't have anything else, they tell a lie. This is common. When people don't have anything else they can say about you, they lie. And so, I mean, you just see this. It's just so common with unsaved people. And so notice uh, verse 12. And when Gallio was the deputy of Achaia, the Jews made an insurrection with one accord against Paul and brought him to the judgment seat, saying, this fellow persuades men to worship God contrary to law. And when Paul was now about to open his mouth, Galileo said unto the Jews, if it were a matter of wrong or wicked lewdness, O ye Jews, reason would that I would bear with you. He said I would tolerate it if this was something of any, some legitimate matter that I had to deal with. He says, I don't, want to, I don't want to deal with this nonsense. And notice what he says here in verse uh, 15. But if it be a question of words and of names and of your law, look to it. Your, uh, you look to it. For I will not be a judge in such matters. And he drave them from the judgment seat. And normally speaking, the unsaved and carnal believer does not have an ability to forbear. They will not put up with different things that are going on with people. They don't have the ability to be able to see outside of themselves. And so all they're looking at is what's important to me. And so they won't put up with circumstances that would involve other believers because it's not really that important to them. Uh, They're concerned about their things. And so you see that. And so love compels one to forbear circumstances for the benefit of other believers. Let's look at an illustration of this. In 1 Corinthians chapter 4, Paul talks about the persecution that he was going through. And in the context, it's uh, the reason that he endured it was in order that he might be able to minister to the Corinthians. In 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Now, notice in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, um, Paul is talking to the Corinthians, and you know the backdrop here. 
And again, this is a very interesting epistle, as is the second epistle. And so it's a continuation in the second epistle of some of the problems that were going on in the first epistle. And so you had these people who were intellectuals. And in order to understand the problems of Corinth, you have to understand the city of Corinth. The city of Corinth was an intellectual center. And it was full of commerce and education and all of the things that you would see in your typical American city today, which was not common back then. And so the Corinthians had gotten caught up in the intellectual pursuits of the world. And so this is why he addresses the wisdom of the world and the wisdom of the age. And so how they apply what they know, how the world applies what it knows is different from how God applies what he knows. And the Corinthians had gotten caught up with that. And so as a result of that, they were believing these false teachers who were pursuing or pushing that. And they saw Paul as being, they saw him with contempt. They thought that he was just, you know, stupid. I mean, he's of no, (laughs) this guy? Some of the things that they said about him, that we know that they said about him. And so he's writing to them and he's using sarcasm here in chapter four. Because they have gone on without him. And so he's using sarcasm as he writes to them here. And notice in verse nine, he says, for I think to God, I think that God has set forth us apostles last as it were appointed to death. For we are made a spectacle unto the world and unto angels and unto men. Now, I do believe that angels are not just we're not just watching the apostles. I think angels are watching everything that's going on here. I think that this is how angels are learning. They're watching what God is doing in this world. And they're learning something about God and what they see or don't see. And I'm sure in my case, they've walked away many times shaking their head <laughs> about how God would tolerate such foolishness. Notice in verse 10. We are fools for Christ. Now, notice here's the sarcasm. We are fools for Christ's sake. But notice he says, but you, you're wise in Christ. Oh, you're so smart. Right. This is not a real thing here. He's using biting sarcasm. <laughs> and notice he says, but, and we are weak, but oh, you are strong. You are honorable, but we are despised. Even unto this present hour, we both hunger and thirst and are naked and are buffeted and have no certain dwelling place. And we labor, working with our own hands, being reviled, we blessed, being persecuted, we suffer it. And so here you see here this idea of Paul, this word for suffer is actually translated suffer here. We forbear it. We are caused, I think here is the middle passive, I think he, we are caused to forbear it. I think that someone is causing him to be able to forbear through all of these things. And I think it's the Holy Spirit. And I think that when we're spiritual, The Holy Spirit empowers us to be able, through love, to forbear it. Now, why did he forbear for the Corinthians? He did this even for these people who treated him with contempt. 
And you can just look throughout, and as we get through the second chapter, I mean the second book of Second Corinthians, as we get to the 10th and 11th chapters, it reveals a lot of things that they thought about him. They thought that he was one who was carnal, and that his activities, that he was walking according to the flesh. And yet, here's a guy who endured through persecutions to give them what they needed. Now, can you imagine an unsaved person doing that? Imagine somebody at your job. Imagine one of your neighbors. Do you imagine that they would put up with difficult situations in order to give you what you need? It's not going to happen. And Paul did it. Notice, the, uh, you can see it with the Thessalonians, um, they endured persecution in order to serve one another. Notice in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, and notice in verse, um, we'll pick it up in verse 1. Paul and Silvanus and Timotheus unto the church of the Thessalonians and God our Father, and in, uh, and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Notice verse three: We are bound to God to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is meet, because your faith groweth exceedingly, and the love of every one of you toward each other abounds. Isn't that that's just a beautiful thing? Notice these believers are actually growing. And notice he says here, their love uh, abounds toward each other. So that verse 4, we ourselves glory in you and in the churches of God for your patience and faith in all your persecutions and tribulations that you endure. Persecutions. Uh, and so here you have two things here. You have uh, persecutions is uh, the I, I think Courtney did a series on this back some year, years ago. Diago, uh, uh, Dioko, to pursue. When someone is persecuting you, they're pursuing you. And they are persistent in their pursuit of you. They're like a little dog that won't, you can't shake loose. <laughs> And they're constantly persecuting. And then you have this idea of afflictions or the pressures. And so, so you have these pressures in which they just seem like that. The thing that I can say about afflictions, you see it all throughout the New Testament, is it reminds me of the fact of the Batman series. When we watched Batman and Robin when we were little, and they dropped them into this hole, and the walls started closing in around them. And I believe that's what I see with pressures. That when, you, when afflictions are pressures and which you look like that everything is closing in around you. And notice, you know what happens most of the time when believers, we get into these situations? The temptation is to run. To try to find a way out. Right? We try to look for some kind of alternative. We don't say, well, is this God's will? Is God allowing this? We say, oh, no, God can't be allowing this. So we look for a way out. There was a guy who said back some years ago, 
um, and I've seen it from a spiritual point of view that it's true, he who fights and runs away lives to fight another day. And what ends up happening with believers, the thing that we try to get out of, it's funny how it just keeps showing up. <laughs> no matter how much we try to get out of it, it keeps showing up all the way down the road. And he says, these believers, they put up with it. They endured it. Look at the results of it. They abounded with love toward one another. And so, I mean, I think it's inescapable. I mean, you see this, and I think that one thing is begatting another. They were able to show patience. They, uh, and notice this patience um, here is hupomeno. Hupomeno, so it's interesting. Hupomeno is not seen in Scripture as a fruit from the Spirit. We find in Romans chapter 5, hupomeno is the word that is translated many times, patience. Patience is something that the Holy Spirit doesn't provide as a fruit from the Spirit. Patience is something that we learn by circumstances pressuring us. Romans chapter 5. That circumstances teach us patience. How to bear up under situations and to be able to remain under them. And then the other side of that is long-suffering. Patience, in the normal thinking of it, is patience is bearing up with circumstances. Long-suffering is bearing up with people who are trying and difficult. And uh, long-suffering is a fruit of the Spirit. So you see patience and faith in all your persecutions. I... This is just a wonderful, I mean, you just read about these people and you say, I wish I could know them. These are people who actually are living it. They're actually living it. They're not walking around with a bumper sticker on their chariot. They don't have a cross, I would imagine, around their horse. They don't have an earring on their ear. They're actually doing it, right? And so it's just wonderful, wonderful people, and you can see that. Now notice in verse, uh, they exhibited love toward each other, and their love for each other prompted them to put up with the persecutions. It prompted them to put up with the persecutions. So what if persecution broke out here, and I couldn't take it? And I said, sorry, guys, I'm gone. Hope everything works out for you. <laughs> we'll be praying for you. Give that vaunted statement. We will be praying for you, but we're being led somewhere else. <laughs> it happens. It happens. That there are times when people can't deal with the pressures and they want to get out of the pressures. And it doesn't, it, whether it, it affects anyone else or not, they want to get out of the pressure. And they don't really care how it affects other believers. I just want to get out of this pressure cooker. And so that can happen. And notice forbearance is used specifically of believers toward each other. And so notice, go back, uh, if you would, in the Ephesians, and you'll see it, this word for 
um, alilon, which is a reciprocal pronoun that talks about the fact, again, it's, it's one of these things, there's an argument you can build that show that love is toward other believers. It's not toward unsaved people. And so notice in, in um, Ephesians chapter 4, notice in verse 2, with all longsuffering and meekness, uh, with lowliness and meekness, with longsuffering, forbearing, notice, one another. Where have we seen that before? Right? Remember John chapter 15? The new commandment that I give to you that you love one another. One another. And so you have people who say, oh, that doesn't matter. It's amazing to me how many people did I hear say that you're supposed to love everybody. I mean, I've become hypersensitive to it now. I hear it all over the place. Everywhere. And maybe I'm just hearing it in my dreams. Maybe you guys don't hear it as much. I hear it everywhere. And so you hear this and you just say, this, this is not true. So just if we just looked at language and if words matter, I would ask someone, what is one another? What does that mean? What does it mean? Because it seems to be connecting this love to something or someone. Who is that? Who is it? You see this reciprocal pronoun, alalon, and it's used a lot, and we've gone through this. But let's just look at some of the other places where you see it. It describes those who are part of the same group as identified by the context of Scripture, because it's used of different groups. The context of Scripture describes what group it's talking about. So look, for example, in John chapter 6, it's used of the Jews. John chapter 6 and verse 41 through 43. And so this is the the Lord, and as he's uh, talking, he says a lot of things to them here that they they really have a problem with. Uh, And notice in verse 40, he says this, And this is the will of him that sent me, that everyone which sees the Son and believes on him may have everlasting life, or really eternal life, and I will raise him up in the last day. The Jews, and notice this is what they believed during Christ's earthly ministry. Now, if you saw him today, <laughs> this is not what has been given to the believers to believe, but you wouldn't see him today. Verse 41, the Jews didn't murmur at him because he said, I am the bread which came down from heaven. And they said, is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How is it then that he said, I came down from heaven? Jesus therefore answered and said unto them, Murmur ye not among yourselves. See that word yourselves there? They are murmuring among one another. Well, who's the context here? The Jews. And so you have this group of Jews. He's not talking about Gentiles. He's talking about those who are Jews. And they were murmuring among each other. So you have a reciprocal pronoun. And what is that reciprocal pronoun saying? You have these Jews, all of them are of the same persuasion. 
and they are murmuring among each other. And so notice just one other place where you see it. Look at Acts, the uh, 15 chapter and verse 39. And we talked about Barnabas and Paul and the problem that they had. And so here you have an example. Sometimes believers don't put up with each other. And here's our classic example. Barnabas and Paul. Now, I don't think this was a small thing that happened here. I believe that they became, well, it tells you here in Scripture that their disagreement became pretty sharp. And so notice, um, verse, we'll pick it up in verse 36. <clears throat> and, some day, and some days after, Paul said to Barnabas, let us go again and visit our brethren in every city where we have preached the word of the Lord and see how they do. And Barnabas determined to take with him John, whose surname was Mark. But Paul thought it not good to take him with them, who departed with them, uh, departed from them from Pamphylia, and went not with them in the work. And the contention was so sharp between themselves. Um, and so this idea of, um, well, well, we'll get to it. They were so sharp between themselves that they departed asunder from the other. And so Paul and Barnabas. And the reciprocal pronoun here, the other, you have two people in the same situation. They departed from each other. Context decides it. One another here, same group, group of the same people, and they're doing something among each other, you see. It's the context that decides it. And so here you see Paul and Barnabas. Paul went one way, took Silas. Barnabas went another way, took John Mark. We never hear whatever happened with Barnabas and John Mark. We do hear from Paul and Silas. Right, so who was right? Ask the Lord at the rapture. <laughs> I don't know. Some people said that it was Paul. We don't know. And, but you see this, this idea of one another. And so you have this reciprocal pronoun, and it describes a group of people of the same persuasion who are doing things among each other. And so what's that, why, why is this important? Who are you forbearing to? One another of the same kind. He's talking to believers. Believers. Now, you say, I want to go ahead and forbear to some unsaved people. Go ahead. Go do it. Go ahead. I, I really think, and as I've seen over the years, this is why a lot of believers are frustrated. They're trying to make unsaved people do things that they cannot do. And we used to have dogs when we were little, and I learned we don't do dogs because I could not make the dogs do what I wanted them to do. <laughs> and so I said, ah, we can't do this. <laughs> do you know that's a frustrating thing? You go try to make an unsafe person live like a believer. They don't have the capacity to do it. You're just going to frustrate yourself. And that's where a lot of believers are. And I think in this instance, with this forbearance, you could actually be taken advantage of, which has also happened. And so notice Paul admonished the believers at Colossae uh, to exhibit this forbearance. Look at Colossians chapter 3 and verse 13. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 13. And remember, these people that Paul is talking to in Colossae, he never really saw them. These people were led to the Lord. Paul wrote a letter to them. That was a circular letter that was written to other churches as well. And, uh, 
And so notice here in Colossians chapter 3, he gives them some admonitions about certain things that uh, they ought to do as believers. Notice in verse 11, where there is, uh, excuse me, verse 10, and put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him, whereas there is neither Jew nor Greek, or Greek nor Jew, uh, circumcision nor circumcision, uh, or, nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond nor free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on, therefore, as elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing again one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, also do ye. And so that's one another. And he adds something here, forgiving one another. You know, it's an interesting thing. You, it's how Satan does that. I mean, I don't know if you've ever done this before, but somebody does something to you. And before you know it, the thought comes into your mind. I just can't stand that person. I'll never forgive them of this. I will never. For, I will ne- you've heard people say that, right? I will never forgive, or I will forgive you, but I won't forget it, right? I think that's kind of how it goes. Uh, just, I will never forgive you. What you did is, I'll never forgive you of this. And really, that's satanic. Anywhere you see non-forgiveness, it is satanic. But notice the forbearing one another and how important that is. Now, he doesn't connect it with love, but in Ephesians chapter 4, which is where we were in, you'll see this. That is connected with love in Ephesians chapter four, again, in verse two. So he says, with all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering, forbearing one another in love. Now, so you have these two words. You have uh, stay guy, which is the um, uh, stay go. Actually, is how it's used there. Uh, which actually is demonstrated on how love responds in various situations. And this word, as it's used with agape, specifies the power behind the forbearance, that love is what causes me and you to be able to put up with the various things of another. Forbearance is part of the believer's walk. It's really, he notice in this context, he says, Therefore, I, be, I beseech you, prisoner, uh, the prison of the Lord Jesus Christ, that you walk worthy. Now, that word vocation, I would change that really to, uh, in the original, it actually says calling. I will, that you walk worthy of the calling that you were called. And how do you walk worthy? With lowliness and meekness and with long suffering and forbearing one another. So the word walk is peripateo or peripatesi. Uh, and the idea of walk, so you have two uh, big words in the scripture that talks about human behavior and how we conduct ourselves. You have walk and you have conversation. So walk is not talking about you going out for a walk, but it's talking about the different decisions that you make in life. It's looking more at the steps that you take on a daily basis. That you're taking a step, you're making a decision here. Are you making a decision here? And in the decisions that you're making, that it's going to be couched in this attitude of um, being worthy of the calling that you were called. Right. So a couple of examples that, uh, that you see 
of uh, how this word walk is used. It's uh, used in the New Testament to describe individual decisions from day to day, which are influenced by the believer's spiritual state of mind. The other side of it is you have a conversation, and it's looking more at the overall habit of life. So in Colossians 4, um, as an example, and I didn't put the verse there, but I think it's 7, walk in wisdom. Colossians chapter 4, verse 5. So here he says, walk, Paul says to the believers, walk in wisdom toward them that are without. Are really, you know how you can really translate this? Walk in wisdom toward the outsiders. It is not, it was not a common thing in the early church that the unsaved people was involved in the church. This has been a Johnny-come-lately thing. And so there were believers inside, and there were believers on the out, or the, uh, those who were unsaved on the outside. And so he says, on the outside, as you're outside the church, you walk in wisdom. You make decisions applying what you know in different situations toward those on the outside. They're watching. I really believe they're watching. And so you say, no, they're not watching me. I wish they weren't. But how many times have you talked to someone about a person that you knew and they could tell you everything about that person as they've observed them? People are watching. And they can say a lot. And so as you interact with them, you are applying what you know in different situations that are pursuant to what Scripture says and living by grace. And notice he says, redeeming the time or buying out the time because the days are, um, um, uh, buying out the time. I actually think in the original it says because the, the days are uh, evil. No, no, I'm sorry. It's, but buying out the time, redeeming the time. And so uh, notice, so you see it walk as it's used there. And, and so forbearance is a mechanism used by believers to respond to various circumstances that allows one to put up with those circumstances. And so I'm, as I am able to direct agape love, I may see circumstances that might get in the way. Maybe something might come up that would cause me not to be able to be in contact with believers. And it's something that I really might have control over. That I'm going to bear up onto that situation. Or maybe, and here's the real issue is, as I related to individual believers, is putting up with things with other believers that it's not a sin that they're this way. I mean, you guys had to forbear with Courtney talking about the Atlanta Braves this week. (laughs) That was a lot of forbearance. (laughs) <laughs> that would be a classic example of it. <laughs> I mean, you wouldn't, there's a lot of people, not even baseball fans. I told people the other day, it puts me to sleep. <laughs> I see why they have the seventh inning stretch. <laughs> it's needed. But people put up with things with other believers that might not be how I would do things. It's not what I would do, but it doesn't mean that it's wrong. You see? 
People are different. They may they have different likes. They have different ways of how they do things. Love causes you to put up with the differences. These are not sinful things. This is not saying that you put up with somebody who's having an adulterous relationship as the world would do. It's putting up with the differences of believers that are different from us. And we understand that nobody is, the, we're not all the same. We come from different backgrounds. We come from different families. We come from different geographical situations. We all have different views of how things are done. Right? But what causes us to be able to mend together as a group? Love. Love. Because then, I, just because I, if I love you, you may not like the Atlanta Braves. You say, ah, what a nutcase. But I still love him. <laughs> He's okay. He's a good believer. Right? <laughs> and so you're able to understand that this is who he is. And you're something different. And you're able to have an appreciation for that. And so Paul encouraged the believers at Colossae and Ephesus to forbear with one another. And I really believe here, you could translate it, I believe this is an instrumental use, by means of love. Love is the instrument that causes you to want to put up with the differences of other believers. That when you're directing agape love, one of the elements of it is that I can put up with things that I wouldn't do. It's not something I would do. It's not how I would operate. But it's okay. It's not sinful. But this person's different. We all are different. And if we don't uh, appreciate the differences in people, we would never... We would never be able to glorify God by functioning as a body. And so that makes a huge difference. Love is hugely important. It's the thing that causes us to be able to give each other the very things that we need. And I can't make it out. We did a wedding a couple of weeks ago, and some of the people, we talked about what love is. And some of the people came up afterwards, and what struck me is that there's a lot of people have no clue about what love is. They have not a clue. Believers ought to. We ought to. We ought to know better than anyone else. And not only ought we to know it, we ought to exhibit it. There's no, I don't care what else we try to do. We can try to impress people with our bumper stickers. We can try to impress people with what we, our crosses and all of these trinkets and all this stuff. Do you know what people really see? What scripture says, oh, how they love one another. That that really matters. And it goes a long way in being an example or a witness to the unsaved world. Father, we're grateful for the opportunity of being able to look at these things and grateful as believers that we have the opportunity to love each other and in doing so, being able to forbear with the differences 
that we find in believers. And that would call for us to be able to put up with different circumstances that might try to interfere with the opportunity of being able to give believers what they need. We're so thankful, Father, that you provided the power for us to be able to do this as we live by grace. In your son's name we pray. Amen.